0: injured in the capital, Sana'a, during a kidnapped attempt. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
1: Good morning. Welcome to Money for Nothing. I'm Brian Curtis. Russia says troops are pulling back from the Ukraine border. Fed Chief Janet Yellen says the central bank needs to continue to stimulate the U.S. economy. And here in Hong Kong, the Kwok brothers and Raphael Hoy go on trial today on charges of corruption. So just a slew of breakfast tidbits for you to get us started.
2: Mr. Ho is charged with accepting more than thirty million dollars in cash and advantages including the rent-free use of two apartments and two unsecured loans it's alleged that Mr. Ho provided the property giants with land sales information and favorable treatment in exchange not only during his term as chief secretary, but also while serving as an executive councillor and in a number of other public offices.
1: So that's the first tease this morning, Maggie Ho's full report a bit later in this program. And we'll also have a taste of Janet Yellen.
3: In light of the considerable degree of slack that remains in labor markets and continuation of inflation below the committee's 2% objective, a high degree of monetary accommodation remains warranted.
1: So that kind of juiced up the markets and led to uh, big gains on Wall Street. And it looks like we've got some big gains uh, on, on uh, a t- a tap for Asia this morning. And I'll give you the numbers in just a minute. But in terms of our teases, something a little more sublime here.
4: Hemingway made, had one of his characters was asked the question, how does one go bankrupt? And the character answers, first slowly, then quickly. Yeah. And I think that's the way bond yields tend to bottom if you look historically.
1: Jeff Gundlock, the very interesting and very wealthy bond investor who doesn't speak in public all that often. We have a slew of comments from him. You're probably going to be sick of him by the time this program wraps up today. What does he look at, by the way,
4: first thing in the morning? First thing I look at is the Treasury bond market. Next thing I look at is the world stock market. Next thing I look at is the world bond market. Mm-hmm. I look at the Shanghai Uh, composite, because I think that is a very interesting market in that it just does not seem to ever gain traction. And boy, do we know about that. In our featured segments this morning,
1: we'll be talking about Alibaba's share listing plan with Lulu Chen, a Beijing reporter with Bloomberg. We'll also be talking about the polarization in global markets with Richard Harris, chief executive of Port Shelter Investment Management, and Francis Lun, the CEO of Geo Securities, who will be along to help us dissect markets as well. But first, the Kwok brothers and the most senior Hong Kong official ever charged with corruption go on trial today. The sensational Arrests of two of the Kwok brothers and Raphael Hoy, the former chief secretary, just over two years ago, shocked the territory. It led to the highest profile trial that the SAR has ever seen. RTHK's Maggie Ho reports.
2: Raphael Hoi, the former chief secretary and the co chairman of Sun Hong Kai Properties, Thomas and Raymond Kwok, were arrested in March 2012. The Kwok brothers were charged a few months later with bribing the Hong Kong government's former number two between the year 2000 and 2009. Subsequent charges have since been laid against them, including conspiracy to commit misconduct in public office. Mr. Ho is charged with accepting more than $30 million in cash and advantages including the rent-free use of two apartments and two unsecured loans. It's alleged that Mr. Hoy provided the property giants with land sales information and favorable treatment in exchange, not only during his term as chief secretary, but also while serving as an executive councillor and in a number of other public offices. The executive director of San Kai Properties, Thomas Chan, and businessman Francis Kwan are also defendants in the case, one of the biggest brought by the Independent Commission Against Corruption since it was set up in 1974. The prosecution is expected to call more than 80 witnesses, including some former senior officials, in the trial slated to last more than two months.
1: Let's take a look at Asian markets now. The Nikkei is up 115 points at 14,149. That's a gain of eight-tenths of a percent. Australia is higher, so is Seoul. And looking at currencies, the dollar-yen is 101.88, so that's the dollar stronger against the yen. The euro is at 1.3911. You mentioned that we had been locked on $1.38 for a long, long time for the euro. The dollar now trading up against the euro, 139. So that's the euro gaining just a little bit of strength. The Aussie dollar, 93.24 and the yuan, 6.1542 U.S. dollars. Okay, so let's uh, get into some of this Fed commentary. Uh, Fed Chair Janet Yellen says that the U.S. economy paused in the first quarter, but that a rebound is underway now. Ms. Yellen says more stimulus, though, is still needed.
3: While well, conditions in the labor market have improved appreciably they're still far from satisfactory. Looking ahead, I expect that economic activity will expand at a somewhat faster pace this year than it did last year, that the unemployment rate will continue to decline gradually, and that inflation will begin to move up toward 2%.
1: Ms. Yellen spoke to representatives in the Congressional Joint Economic Committee.
3: The Fed's economic projections hold. You know, what is that range? If I were to say you'll begin normalizing interest rates in 2015, would I be wrong? So there is no mechanical formula or timetable for when that will occur. But As long as we continue to see improvement in the labor market and we believe the outlook is for continued progress, and as long as we continue to believe and see evidence that inflation will move back up over time to our, to our 2% longer-run objective. We anticipate uh, continuing to reduce the pace of our asset purchases in measured steps. Right.
1: The Fed does expect faster growth throughout the rest of this year. Ms. Yellen bristled a little when she was asked if the Fed was goosing Wall Street.
3: I would hardly endorse the term goosing the stock market. Um, We have no target for stock prices. Um, The policies that we have undertaken are meant to ease financial conditions in a whole variety of ways that will be conducive to generating greater spending, and greater spending means that we create jobs throughout the economy.
1: Ms. Yellen's comments suggested that the Fed's economic optimism hasn't really been shaken here of late by the weaker GDP print and some of the trade data, which wasn't so good. In any case, bond investor Jeffrey Gundlach says the Fed is often out to lunch.
4: This idea that seems to become popular from time to time that the Fed officials, chair people, governors are somehow economically omniscient mm-hmm. about what's happening is absurd. When you think about the experience of 2007, and there's many examples of this, some of the things that Greenspan said, but in 2007 you had Bernanke talking about how subprime was not an issue. That Can you imagine in August of 2007, the Fed was biased to tighten interest rates, yeah. biased to tighten. A year and, and, what, five months later, interest rates were at zero. Mm-hmm. So they were clearly completely unaware of the direction that the market was going to take and the likely path of interest rates. And I don't think that there's any more wisdom there than there is in on, on, on an average trading desk.
1: The S&P 500 rebounded from yesterday's loss, but Internet stocks continued to get pounded. Oil rose as U.S. crude inventories fell. Brent crude is now 108.13 a barrel, so $108.13 a barrel. Uh, Russian shares and the ruble rallied. Russian President Vladimir Putin said that troops had pulled back from the Ukrainian border. In the end, the S&P 500 increased not 0.6%. The Nasdaq was down, as we mentioned, but it wasn't down that much, down 0.3%. Jeff Gundlach doesn't think that U.S. growth is coming back strongly because he says there are so many factors working against it.
4: Wage growth is non-existent. Well, that's been, that's been the trend and it will continue to be the trend, I think, for months and quarters and perhaps years to come, is that the median, median at the middle of household income is stagnant for all the reasons we all know about, which is global right. competition and robots and technology. And uh, it's tough It's tough to get around that. So this is an environment where the uh, household income is challenged at the paycheck level, but increasingly at the demographic level because of a great bulge of baby boomers retiring pretty much 10,000 a day. Mm-hmm. And as your workers per population decline because of demographics, those that are working have to work that much harder just to have GDP stay at the same level. Well, you-
1: I'd like to welcome to the program our first guest this morning, Francis Lund uh, the CEO of Geo Securities. Francis, good morning. Good morning. I have a lot more comments from this fellow, Jeff yeah. Gundlach. He really speaks a lot of... Uh Well, I would say sense, but I have a view. Um, But uh, anyway, um, there's a lot happening here locally as well. China's exports uh, coming out today; they may have dropped three percent, according to uh, estimates of economists. And we had the HSBC earnings. A lot of interesting local stuff. What are you focused on the most?
0: Well, I think I'm looking at Nasdaq first because uh, last year, yeah, last year's. uh, Uh, rise in the stock market was really dependent on actually uh, several stocks, Tencent, uh, Galaxy and Sense. But but then this year, uh, the bottom just fell out of Tencent uh, because there was a major correction in nasdaq so so i think the uh, forecast for the hong kong market is really well the conventional wisdom sell in may and go away and then come back in june and pick up the pieces do do you think that is likely to happen this year we've already seen it started to happen yeah, definitely. Uh, well, actually, I predicted that the, the market will fall f- uh, much further to maybe 19,000 in the February and March, but I was wrong. But maybe it's just delayed to June because in the past two years, in 2012 and 2013, uh, the yearly l- low was in June. Uh, last year was in June 4th. So I think this year we will see the market going down to 20,000, maybe below in June. There
1: are a lot of interesting trends to highlight this year. You mentioned
0: one, the the uh,
1: pounding of yeah. growth stocks yeah. uh, and uh, a switch either into cash or into some old economy stocks. And that's happened kind of around the world. Uh, that's one big trend. Another yep. trend uh, quite interesting uh, is that bond yields uh, have dropped. Um, yeah. <laughs> in Europe and the United States, the yield on the 10-year settled mm-hmm. at 2.59% overnight. Yeah. So that's a major move up in in treasuries and down yeah. in, in yields that probably yeah. nobody expected.
0: Yeah, definitely. Actually, in February, people were uh, uh, predicting that the 10-year bond yield will rise to about 3% and then it actually came very, I think very close it, to it it was
1: at 3.03% when yeah. it started falling at the beginning yeah, of this that's year. Right. That's so right. it's been a very interesting story this year that it's just mm. it's just moved strongly in one direction kind of
0: opposite of the bond market that doesn't often happen. Yeah, I think I think that has to do with Janet Yellen's uh, policy. He's uh, well she's uh, very aggressive in uh, promoting the low interest rate environment. Uh, She believes that the U.S. economy is not doing well enough and the Federal Reserve need to keep the money pumping, uh, need to keep the, keep the interest rate low to let the U- U.S. economy to grow and to let more people uh, have jobs. I think that okay. is her rationale. We
1: love to have CEOs on this program. <laughs> uh, you're one, and we also have Richard Harris, who's yes. the chief executive officer of Port Shelter Investment Manager. Let's have him join the conversation. Sure. Richard, um, you know, I mentioned a couple of major trends. Another one was that China stocks have been pounded pretty Pretty hard. It's not just the internet stocks like 10 Cent and Kingsoft and Four A Game and and uh, a lot of these types, um, but it's also. Uh, even just the regular old-fashioned state-owned enterprises and other china stocks do you think that continues or are you in the camp that there's value there now
5: well you know we're still fishing from the bottom in china i mean if you look at the numbers yes of course there's value but analysts often see value in in markets because they're often rather slow at, at coming around to um, uh, reviewing their figures so i think we certainly are fishing around at the bottom and you just, there's a headline in the standard today that says developers face liquidity crisis which uh, reminds me of the Hemingway quote you had which a few minutes ago which people go bankrupt slowly and then they go bankrupt fast as people actually realise they are bankrupt. Um, and there are a lot of empty buildings around in China and I think this is really a very key issue over the
1: next six months. So the problem is that uh, with uh, prices starting to weaken a little bit and with demand maybe slipping a little bit these developers um, you know, may not be able to, uh, to make their interest payments on the loans that they've made, and this this could be very troublesome for the overall economy. Are either of the two of you predicting that we get a credit crisis in china this year
0: well for developers definitely i think uh, for the listed companies in hong kong i think they can survive because they have access to overseas funding but for the developers inside china uh, they have no other source of funding they they will go bankrupt very easily because uh, once people stop buying then the uh, the flow of money will stop. Uh, the chain of money flows will, will break, and then they will just go bankrupt very quickly. <laughs> so, so, one of the fears we had last year that hit um, hit the bond
1: complex was that interest mm. rates would spike. That that seems almost, you know, impossible to imagine right now, doesn't Mm -hmm. it, Richard?
5: Well, I I think that's right, Uh, and once again if you go back to some of the comments overnight um, people are saying that the consumer really isn't doing well enough we're seeing slowdown in the housing market in the US. This is a worldwide phenomenon where the guy in the street actually isn't earning very much Mm -hmm. Uh, lots of other people have made money but the ordinary guy in the street, the guy who everybody depends on to consume, actually uh, isn't earning very much and if he isn't going to earn very much, he's not going to be demanding and he's not going to be pushing inflation up and therefore we're not going to see interest rates necessarily have to go up. So there's a, uh, there's a big connectivity there. Okay. Uh,
1: I've got a kind of a longish clip here from Jeff Gundlach, but I'd like to play it now. I had imagined it would be lower down, but since you mentioned housing, uh, let me just, um, you know, what you just said, uh, let's go to Jeffrey Gundlach now as he lays out why it's not very likely that the housing market is in good
4: shape in the United States and that people will be buying anytime soon. The demographics, which I talked about earlier, are what people are missing on this. Think about the household formation collapse that we've seen. The young people today are unemployed at a high rate. They are renting, and the cost of rent is going up while the, at, the median mm-hmm. income of renters is going down. If you look at how uh, you can predict rents, one of the best ways to do it is to use the case Schiller home price data and use a lag. So since Case Shiller has been going up, it implies rents are likely to to rise further. That means that these renters have very little wherewithal to save a down payment. Also, they're saddled with student loan debt, which we all know about. Mm -hmm. Also, they've been scarred by the housing collapse of 2008. A lot of people say, you know. Putting down 20% to buy a house and putting it on leverage is not a guaranteed money maker. Mm-hmm. It might be a high probability loser of all my capital, if, the, if the, all of my down payment capital. So what we have is, is preferences have changed. I, I quoted at Iris on a survey by the MacArthur Foundation, right. and pointed out that the enthusiasm for renting versus uh, owning is up by 30 percentage points in, in the last several years. This is because people are scarred. So uh, the baby boomers will have property for sale. Baby boomers, on average, are half a million dollars short on retirement savings. Right, well, 74% of them, This is- Social Security is going to be what they rely on. These people right. are going to sell homes. And, and so we have, a, we have a market that is demographically different. And when you think about fund- the boomers funding their retirement, all of this suggests that the housing market, you want to talk about a new normal, there's a new normal in the housing market versus what you and I knew about and grew up in and what people right. experienced in the 90s the 2005.
1: Least- yeah, that's bond investor Jeff Gundlach there. Uh, <laughs> uh, J- Tom Keene was trying to get in, but he's not an easy guy to get a word in edgewise uh, <laughs> on. But could you almost say the same thing about here, Francis uh, and, and Richard, that um, you know, r- rents are so high that people, young people, they couldn't even begin to. To think of saving enough money for a down payment?
0: Well, uh, the problem is not really with rent, actually the rent declined over the past 12 months. The problem in Hong Kong is that the income is not growing fast enough to, uh, to keep pace with inflation and the price of a uh, of, uh, home. Uh, of course, uh, in Hong Kong, you have to work something like 30 years uh, to save enough money to buy a flat versus uh, maybe five or ten in the U.S., something like that. So that actually puts the price of homes beyond the reach of most middle-class uh, young professionals already. Then the only alternative you have is really renting or living with your parents. And what you, what you really find is the three generation of people trying to buy a house and then everybody is contributing to the mortgage.
1: So, Richard, <laughs> uh, are we looking at a, an environment here where we're not going to get a big rebound in the U.S. because the housing market uh, is constrained by some of these demographic factors and other reasons? Uh, and does that have a major impact on us here in Hong Kong?
5: Well, I, I'm not as uh, concerned about housing as, as Grundlich is. I mean – You've got to remember, housing's gone up solidly for five years. So sooner or later, there has to be a bit of a pullback. And um, more supply coming on the market from baby boomers is probably going to be mopped up by their children anyway. But going to Hong Kong, yeah, there, there is an issue about buying. Um, but, you know, we're a small island nation. Small island nations have very expensive property. It's just, it's just a fact. Um, in Japan, I can remember going back 20, 25 years, people had three-generation mortgages. So maybe we're just in the kind of situation, the kind of environment that that sort of thing does happen, and we can't compare ourselves to a big country like the U.S. or, or in Europe.
1: There are some exciting growth stories out there, and our next guest uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes, Lulu Chen uh, from Bloomberg, will be talking about Alibaba. But I just thought I would ask you, gents, uh, Francis – yeah. If yeah. you look at if you look at Google, uh, Tesla, yeah. uh, what else did I check? Uh, Netflix, uh, Netflix, Yahoo. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a number of them that are right about the 200-day moving average. Yeah. And 10 cent is kind of inching down towards it. For 10 cent, it's about 450. Mm. And for a lot of these stocks, then that have been pummeled by um, you know this switch out of growth stocks. Uh, they may be getting close to getting a bid. Do you think so, or do you think they, they continue to go down?
0: I think they will continue to go down. I think uh, the problem is that last year uh, Tencent went from about two hundred dollars to six hundred, so it's like a threefold increase in one year. So it's way over the fundamentals, and 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 I think the most worrisome thing you you encounter is that uh, growth actually st- uh, Tencent actually stopped growing. I think that's the basic issue.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, even with uh, a third of a, a third of a silly price, is still a silly price. Yeah, you know? de- de- definitely. R- Richard, what do you think about growth stocks? Uh,
5: well, well, I think, uh, especially Alibaba. I I just have this slight feeling of melancholy that I think is coming over the market about it. You know, it's been hyped up so much, and yeah. you know, it is a wonderful company, but it's very expensive and uh there's a note in the financial times this morning about how foreigners actually have not a terribly robust uh legal position in terms of uh, of the assets that they own there um i just think that the market's been very excited about it and when it is listed the then is i think so there'll good. be a lot of um, a lot of air will come out of it
1: let's say good morning to lulu Chen from bloomberg lulu good morning to you Thanks for joining us here on Money for Nothing on Radio 3 in Hong Kong. Um, Actually, Richard said it's expensive, but we don't know the price yet. Uh, Do you think they're going to price it uh, high?
6: understanding is that the company is going to sell about uh, 12% of its stake at a valuation of $168 billion. That would be a uh, $20 billion offering in the IPO. Um, and, and, and analysts um, have a range for this company of evaluation anywhere between um, $150 to $245 billion right now. So um, definitely a lot of variation in the market.
1: I've been reading a lot about uh, what analysts have to say about this uh, company. And, you know, there aren't too many negatives out there. Um, They do have very strong earnings and they're growing their earnings even faster than they're growing their revenues, which you don't see that that often. you've picked it apart pretty closely. Uh, What do you think some of the negatives might be?
6: Well, we actually had a story out yesterday, looking specifically at AliPay. Um, even though AliPay, according to the filing, it's not expected to be in, part in the IPO as of now, um, we, we, the company does show that it plays a very important role in terms of the company's transactions and users spending and um, spending time on the platform. Um, for AliPay specifically, the, the, the reason that um, there's a lot of tension here is because, first of all, they have more than 800 million registered users on the platform, and then in terms of the amount of transactions that take place on the platform, is just so huge. And then um, over the May holidays, there was, um, according to our sources, there were talks from Alibaba um, and talks about regaining a stake in Alipay, and the reason behind it, um, our understanding is that um, this will help Alibaba uh, group the group that is going to be listed to gain more exposure to the benefits of Alipay. Yeah, let let me
1: frame this for our audience for just a moment, because uh, Alipay was taken out of Alibaba, and Jack Ma assumed a much higher ownership position in it. And he said the reason was, is they wanted to get a license uh, to do financial services. And so my question to you is, now that they want to bring it back in, will the regulators go along with it?
6: Yeah, um, that that is definitely the backstory there. So in 2010, uh, they had that whole dispute with Yahoo. Um, Yahoo said that they didn't learn about the transfer until several months later, um, and um, our understanding is there's nothing that has specifically changed in terms of regulatory environment, and it's still unclear what the um, deal with foreign ownership in these uh, financial payment services is as of now. Um, There were some uh, heightened um, scrutinies and concerns um, in the past few months when the central bank actually proposed a cap on purchases of single transactions done over Alipay, and then in the filings yesterday, we also saw them say that uh, some Chinese lenders were targeting Alipay by imposing like stricter limits on um, bank transfers and other payment services. Um and they all, and apart from Alipay, they also have this financial arm right now that does microloans um and uh financing services, um and investment funds where users can earn an interest if they put their money in there. This is so the all that UE Bow,
1: the you're speaking of the UE Bow fund?
6: Mm, that's correct. Um, that's attracted a lot of interest from um, investors. Yeah, um, supposedly, a
1: billion yeah. a billion renminbi a day for a period of time.
6: <laughs> yes, there was a lot of interest in that fund.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, you, you've, you've had a look at this. Um, we all know the timing is, is not very good. However, uh, timing is uh, kind of a fickle thing. Uh, by the time this comes to market, it might be six weeks, two months later, and the mood could have changed. Uh, what do you think about the timing?
6: Um, just look at earlier this year. Um, it was um, sentiment was great, and then there was that whole sellout in tech stocks, um, uh, partly due to um, manage, uh, funds trying to uh, restructure
0: their investment portfolios.
1: Let me throw it over to Francis Loon. Francis, would you be a buyer of Alibaba?
0: Well, if everybody's getting into the game, then I will because uh, <laughs> whoever gets uh, hold of some of these shares uh, is going to make a small fortune on the first few days. And, and Richard, um, you know, since we don't know the price, uh,
1: <laughs> will you look at it if, it's, if it is valued, say, at $170 billion uh, and – The price per share looks attractive uh, at maybe the lower end. Would you be a buyer?
5: Well, uh, Francis is talking about jumping on a game, which is a very good thing to do in the stock market. But I think unless it's priced right at the bottom end of its range, we've seen IPOs pulled recently, even in Hong Kong. um, Then I think it's expensive and we might see cheaper come uh, later in the year.
1: Lulu, just a quick final word on Alibaba. I mean, it's kind of an imaginative uh, approach that Jack Ma came up with. Uh, they don't take a cut out of all the uh, transactions done on the site, but they do attract a lot of advertising. Uh, does it? Um, how many different ways does it have to make money?
6: Uh, it's mostly advertisement and also commissions on uh, Tmall. That's their B two C platform. Um, so it, users can spend more money to have a higher pro- profile for their shops, and then it, uh, and, and then also in terms of like uh, getting a uh, licensed um, c- certification to show that this shop has credibility and that um, users are buying more stuff on it, so they get higher profile. Yeah. So mostly commission and advertisement.
1: All right, Lulu, thanks very much for joining us here on the program. Lulu Chen, reporter at Bloomberg News. Francis Lund, the CEO of Geo Securities. And Richard Harris, the Chief Executive Officer of Port Shelter Investment Management. Markets are higher now. The Nikkei is up about eight tenths of a percent. Australian Soul also up. Gold, 1290. Nobody can figure out the directions in all these things. It is really crazy time. So you've got to keep listening to this program, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Well, the weather today, cloudy to overcast with showers and thunderstorms. Showers heavy at times, maximum temperature 24. Thanks a lot for listening. Back chat coming up next. The latest news with Etienne Lamy-Smith.
0: The corruption trial of a former senior Hong Kong government official and two billionaire property tycoons will open shortly at the High Court. With more on the biggest such case in the SAR's history, here's Maggie Ho.
2: Raphael Ho, the former chief secretary and the co-chairman of Sun Hong Kai properties, Thomas and Raymond Kwok, were arrested in March 2000.